Hello, and welcome to take three of episode 16 <laughs> of the Cage Five podcast. We've had, uh, uh, we, we, we had to restart a few times, but luckily it didn't get too far. Yeah, um, and it was not because of Dave, who's doing great. Yeah, there we go. Dave hey, thanks. is doing great at doing a shitty job. <laughs> I'm muting your mic. Oh, oh no. Oh, okay. Oh, he did it. He done and did it. So it's just me today. I have the power Uh, here, motherfucker. uh, All right, I can... Oh, okay, I can hear myself again. Oh, okay, it's just... uh, It's just... uh, I'll... I'll, uh, Do the the thing. You you got the thing. Okay, well, today we are talking about 8mm, a movie from 1999, and uh, Ghost Rider 2, Spirit of Vengeance. And actually, I don't think the 2 is in the title. It's just Ghost Rider, Spirit of Vengeance. But it is the sequel to 2007's Ghost Rider that happened to come out like four years later. Um, now, these two movies are movies. <laughs> they, they were filmed. Yeah. Uh, there are actors, directors, producers, mm-hmm. um, uh, maybe costume designers. I don't, I don't know. Yeah, maybe a little bit. Uh, Possibly some extras. Yeah, probably like a guy with one guy with a, one mic. Yeah, there was a sound guy. He walked around with a boom. And, yeah, and not even like a boom mic. He walked around with like a piece of dynamite that said yeah. "boom" on it. <laughs> he was a, he was a Looney Tunes character, um, <laughs> and he was picking up all the sound for the movies. Yeah, and he did uh, all of the dialogue in ADR and post personally <laughs> for pretty, both movies. Pretty it's, damn good job, I gotta say. And his name uh, was Wiley Coyote. <laughs> Uh, but yeah, so those two movies, uh, forgive me if I don't have a lot to pre-roll with here, because, uh, I kind of <laughs> used a lot of that on the first two days. Yeah, we're pretty spent already, so, yeah. uh, let's just roll with it. Let's do it. Let's do it, baby. Okay, so the first movie we're going to talk about is 8mm. 8mm, uh, known to some as 8 M&Ms, but that is actually not the way you're supposed to say it. Oh, yeah, it's true. Oh! thing i should mention we don't have a third today it's oh, just yeah. it's just mike and i uh and i am nick maybe and uh, i'm mike and we have agreed to have nothing but the same opinions today yeah uh, just in case <laughs> just in case but even in worst case scenario we have dave who didn't watch either of these movies ready to break the tie so hey i'm taking notes again though yeah it's true and those notes will probably help in his decision if it is necessary yeah, we'll check those notes later to uh, to, to see how useful they'll be. <laughs> yeah, verify their, their accuracy. Well, I'll be able to draw a conclusion off of those. <laughs> you, you do that, buddy boy. <laughs> hey, more do I need power to your mic again? <laughs> no, 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 no. I'm, I'm being positive about Dave. Say something nice. Uh, What's one nice thing you could say about Dave? Oh, about Dave? He just said say something nice. Um, I'm, I'm trying to, to help oh. a little bit so neither of us gets muted. Uh, Dave records our podcast, and for that I'm grateful. He acts as the engineer. Uh, as mediator, that does qualify as nice. Yeah. He said he was <laughs> thankful. Um, and I will just pitch in that, um, Dave used to smell like piss and shit, and now he doesn't. He just smells like piss. So... <laughs> that is that's that's seriously moving in the right direction yeah i mean and you know i think he could knock the other one down and maybe he'll smell like boogers when that goes away i don't know we'll find out we we don't know what the we don't know what this is i mean they're in my nose but i never smell them 
That's true. But when you're drenched in them, they're smellable. If a booger smells in the woods and no one is around to smell it, does we'll cut that. This is good content. Yeah, I mean, <laughs> oh, I... dude, I'll mute you, dude. <laughs> okay, thanks. Uh, so, eight millimeter. This movie came out in the year ninety nine and is rated R, which uh, I didn't look up the movie beforehand to see what the rating was, but it became very clear over the course of the movie what this was definitely rated. Yeah. It was either R or NC-17. If it is NC-17, I apologize, but I don't think an NC-17 would have made this much at the box office. Um, yeah, and if it was NC-17, there would have been a little bit more, like, fisting instead of just talking about fisting. So. <laughs> and uh, directed by uh, Joel Schumacher, who uh, you probably remember from, like, you know, Batman and Robin and... Uh, you know, like that Phantom of the Opera movie with the uh, fucking Gerard Butler. I was going to say Gerard Ardu. Way, but that is way more accurate. <laughs> Gerard Way and Phantom of the Opera. Can we get that going? Um, that would be great, actually. <laughs> I would watch that. Yeah, I would too. Uh, but we remember Joel Schumacher from. Uh, he did Trespass with Nicolas Cage yes. also, which we just did. Uh, what was that? Two, three episodes ago? Something yeah, like that was fairly recently. Mm. Uh, Joel Schumacher, or as he's known to his close friends, such as us, Joey Shoes. Yeah, Joey Shoes. He's uh, always got those shoes on, too. The shoes isn't related to his last name, actually. It's, it's not. It's he's about, just, he's a total sneakerhead. He fucking, hey, if he's not talking about shoes... Mm. He is making a movie, yeah. uh, and if he's not making a movie about shoes, then <laughs> then he's making eight millimeter, <laughs> <laughs> and that's what he did in the year nineteen ninety nine. Yeah. So this uh, this one was produced by um, Global Entertainment Productions and distributed by Columbia Pictures, but you wouldn't even know about the Global Entertainment because Columbia gets the whole logo. Yeah, mm, wouldn't you know? Global Entertainment also sounds fake. Yeah, uh, it does. So. <laughs> It might be a money laundering situation. I bet it's a scheme by the globalist enterprise to topple our right to be Americans. That's that's got to be what it is. I Mm. did uh, get some very strong patriot vibes from this movie. Well, I I think you should have gotten anti-patriot vibes (laughs) because this was globalist agenda. (laughs) Um, Runtime of 124 minutes, so about two hours. It had a budget of $40 million and a box office gross of $96.6 million, making this another one in the black, finally. We're back in black, baby. It's been, I don't know how many episodes since we actually had one that was in the black, and this is kind of insane. But, um, so I think that brings our total to eight movies out of 23 thus far. And that's not including the one that's next in this podcast. I'll talk about that when it comes there. But yeah, so that's a solid one third of his movies have made as much money as they cost to make. Oh boy. <laughs> uh, what right. a statistic. Yeah, seriously. Uh, I, I'm sure that'll change as we get to round two. But uh, yeah, one thing I'm closer. So Rotten Tomatoes, 22% for the critic score, 52% for audience rating. So. Out of your average Joes here, about one out of every two people liked this movie, but them critics are just fucking one in five. That's some bogus bullshit. Total narcs. (laughs) Total narcs. Fuck them. They they probably wanted there to be more pedophilia or something. Yeah, seriously. No, there wasn't enough. Critics. Yeah, fucking Brian Singer is the lot of them. 
weren't even satisfied with the weird, scummy porn bazaars that had child porn in them that appeared in this film. But, Lord, uh, I was born an emblem man. <laughs> oh, <God. laughs> oh my God. That is, uh, that's a, that's a parody that's too hot for Weird Al. <laughs> <laughs> too hot for Weird Al. <laughs> Imagine the late night ads we could run. Well, I, I'd Can we start calling pedos namblers? <laughs> like, yes, I think so. I think we can. Well, it depends. What what on that side of the fence at least. Yeah, on that side of the fence, yep. I don't know, Dave, is it okay if we call you that? Hi. <laughs> Mute time. No. Oh, <laughs> um so yeah, some trivia facts about this movie. I think uh, yeah. one gentleman here has the webpage. Over. Yeah, I got the I got the freaking IMDb. Um so uh you know, and I'm skipping over the boring shit. Who cares? Nicolas Cage's Oscar award um, that he won for leaving Las Vegas makes a cameo in this movie. Um, Wait, what? Really? Yeah. he. Uh, it's wrapped in black string and laces on uh, James Gandolfini's desk uh, when he breaks in to, to, to tap his phone. Hmm. I um, didn't that. notice that. Um, David Fincher was the original director choice. Uh, and, you know, not to, not to shit on our old pal Joey's shoes, but I, David Fincher makes a good picture. Yeah, uh, and uh, I feel like uh, it, he would have been interesting in this in this movie. Uh, yeah, I think Fincher actually could have made this really uh, taken it to the next level. Maybe sorry, yeah. Joey Shoes, but like you are kind of hit or miss. Uh, yeah, I mean, I love Batman and Robin for all its flaws. Like literally, I love it because of its flaws. But uh, I agree. <laughs> it's it's not a well remembered movie, but I am very fond of it. <laughs> um. But yeah, I don't know. David Fincher has made some good stuff before. I mean, he did Fight Club, right? He did the Fight Club. He did the Seven. Mm. He did the, um, well, this has been retconned from his career, but he did Alien 3. Oh, yes. I, I was going to uh, say, I believe he did Alien 3, too. But uh, And Panic Which, room. not as bad good as stuff. people remember. Oh, yeah. Uh, well, yeah. I, well, it's it's certainly a letdown given the first two Alien movies. Yeah. But I would take it over Alien Resurrection, personally. But I... Disagree, mm -hmm. but I will say that the last time I watched Alien Three, it was the director's cut, and uh, that's not the version I needed to watch. <laughs> it was, uh, so maybe that affected my my decision there. Um, yeah, director's cuts also a hit or miss thing. Sometimes there's a reason the director had some of his shit cut. <laughs> yeah, and also uh, if the director hates the movie, uh, maybe the director's cut doesn't need to be isn't seen. Going to help it. <laughs> yeah. Um, so what else we got? Um, Mark Wahlberg was the, uh, he turned down the role of Max California, Joaquin Phoenix's character. Oh. Um, that certainly would have been interesting. He's, yeah. he's some kind of pervert, uh, <laughs> but. <laughs> Probably a racist kind. <laughs> but yeah, well, that's, that's been proven. So, um, <laughs> this is fun to read. The enema porno film seen at the porn swap meet oh, yes. is a genuine SNL film that was heavily edited for inclusion in this movie. Hmm. Um, and you know what? Why? Why? Why did they edit it? I probably to avoid the NC-17 rating. But. Yeah, that's true. <laughs> or they just didn't want to pay the enema director. Uh, but um, given everything else they showed in this movie. Oh, yeah, they did probably have to pay the enema director. Maybe they can negotiate it down. I don't know how all this lawyering works. I That's, just, I'm one of those, you know, average Joes who just watches movies for a living. <laughs> that, that's how you actually uh, make money as a poop porn director. 
Um, you make the poop porn. You hope it makes a couple bucks. It probably won't make that much. But then when some Joey schmuck uh, <laughs> comes along <laughs> Joey and uh, puts it in his movie, that's when you listen. get your payout. Yeah. Um, here's a fun story. Russell Crowe agreed to do the film with uh, Joey Shoes. Um, and... <laughs> He Crow added a stipulation that uh, the scene where he's he sees the kitty porn, he wanted to throw it in the trash and like light a cigarette and set the trash can on fire. Oh, uh, maybe it sounds like he might be overcompensating a little bit. Yeah, but, uh, I don't know. We've got to look in. Was was Russell Crowe any photos of him with Jeffrey Epstein? Is he a, <laughs> he's a Lolita <laughs> Express uh, uh, patron. I don't know. We'll yeah. we'll look into that. That might be worth looking into. Um, and so Joel Schumacher agreed to that, but then basically Nicolas Cage's uh, agent called him and he was like, what if I just took him instead? <laughs> uh, and so um, I take this to mean that... Uh, and you know, I believe that's a good thing because otherwise I wouldn't have ever seen this movie. <laughs> that's true. Uh, I mean, until our Russell Crowe podcast comes up. Um, yeah, coming because, 2021. <laughs> I just can't wait to talk about his role as Dr. Jekyll and Mr. Hyde in the Mummy reboot. Uh, <laughs> oh, shit. I didn't see that. Oof. I can't wait. <laughs> um, what else we got here? Director Joel Schumacher says he is still proud of this film two decades later, uh, though everybody who paid to allow this movie to be made hated it. Oh, yeah. Uh, the studio didn't like it. Um... <laughs> And maybe it's because the film's original title was Sexy World. Yeah. And they were looking for something a little more sexy and worldly. This is maybe the, one of the most interesting trivia facts I've seen on IMDb because, um, first of all, Sexy World, strange name for a movie. Second of all, not how I would describe <laughs> this particular yeah. movie. If anything, this movie kind of turned me off. Um, I'm not into BDSM. Not but into I'm BDSM. really not into snuff. Not so. into snuff, not into enemas or kids. Uh, so really, uh, it wasn't a very sexy world for me to be in at the time. Yeah. But uh, hey, if you're if, if you're into poop and kids, that yeah, that's okay. Yeah. Uh, that's <laughs> the kids is not okay. No, 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 no. We're, we're what? It's just a fetish. Sounded like a nambler. <laughs> oh God. We are endorsing. Uh, you know what? I, I I'm not going to keep going. Um, so. <laughs> Uh, so Bruce Willis turned down the leading role. So this could have been Bruce Willis and fucking Mark Wahlberg, uh, exploring the seedy underbelly <laughs> of the illegal porn world. It was mm. so close to being that, but it wasn't. You know, I think I could see Bruce Willis more than I could, uh, Mark Wahlberg, at least in that role. You know what I, I, I can't, yeah. Mark Wahlberg is just fucking Mark Wahlberg. He can't be anything else. You know what right. I mean? He's Marky Mark to the bone. Yeah, and and I I don't know if they've ever tried to get him to be something else, or if they're just like, "Hey, you're endearing uh, to <laughs> some. Just be you." Yeah. Hey, uh, Nicholas Cage, you looking for this uh, freaking porn over here? <laughs> I can't do a Boston thing, but you get it, right? Yeah, I get it. I got it. I'm, I'm running out of interesting... <laughs> well, this one actually has interesting fun facts about it, unlike most of the last couple movies we've reviewed, like fucking like 211, which had, what, like no facts. No facts <laughs> and nothing to be said about the movie. <laughs> um, oh, here's... Okay, this will answer our question about the NC-17 rating. Um, 
Yeah, so spoiler, there's a part where uh, Nicolas Cage pistol whips the shit out of somebody, um, mm. and they didn't show that specifically to avoid the NC-17. Oh, okay. Um, so if they had shown brains getting bashed, that would have been the line. Ah, interesting. Um, and yeah, they, basically all the other fun facts uh, relate to uh, the fact that Sony was having a hard time maintaining a director for this movie. And Joel Schumacher said, uh, fuck it. Let's yeah. go. Let's do so, it. I'll take whatever work comes across my desk. <laughs> yeah. Uh, and this is just, this is just one more fun fact that I am reading verbatim. The film explores the dark side of pornography, <laughs> which is not so much trivia as it is a one sentence <laughs> summarization of the movie. It's so, true. um, I think we can, we can move forward. <laughs> it's true. Well, that's our plot summary. That's, <laughs> we uh, that's it. Yeah. But uh, yeah, moving into a plot summary, I got uh, quite a few notes here. Cause, uh, that's what I like to hear. Mm-hmm. So Cage is uh, returning from some meeting in Miami he had, and he seems to be working as a private investigator. Uh, and uh, he returns to his wife and infant daughter. And, you know, there's much love in this family, as we are shown periodically. She, They say, I love you, probably three times in the first five minutes. Uh, he hugs his baby, and he's like, oh, look at you, little baby Cinderella, because he named his daughter Cinderella. A um, little weird, I guess, but I don't know. And that's uh, how uh, he, he was just doing a little bit of uh, ass-kissing so he could uh, fund national treasure a few <laughs> years later. Uh, but yeah, but he's also keeping secrets. As a private investigator, he doesn't want his wife to know about the things he's involved with. He says it's better that way, and he tells her that directly, so it's not. But also, for some reason, at the beginning, he's lying about smoking, and I I, I don't know what significance that really holds, but he keeps seeing him smoking, and then him saying to his wife, I'm not smoking, I'm not, which... Uh, and she'll be like, you smell like cigarettes and you have 10 cigarette butts in your hair. And he's like, <laughs> they're not mine. Yeah, I swear. But also, so Cage then gets contracted as a private investigator by an old woman who is a widow now. And uh, she found something in her dead husband's safe. And it's it's a snuff filmer, it appears to be. And it's on 8mm film, hence the title. Um, yes, and they they also reassure you that snuff films don't exist. Yeah. Uh, that's part of the premise is that um, snuff films are urban legend. Yeah. They ain't real. Yeah. Um, but all you have to do is look at a police body cam. <laughs> oh. That's because true. they kill people. They, uh, are, cab. They, <laughs> they're murderous. Yep. Yeah. But she wants Cage to prove, like, she's like, please, like, tell me this isn't a real snuff film. I want you to show that it's not. I don't want my husband's reputation to be damaged. So uh, he's dead, so who gives a fuck? Yeah, <laughs> seriously. But uh, Cage watches it, and there's, like, a guy in a bondage mask and, like, just general bondage gear, and he just, like, beats and stabs this young woman to death. And uh, that's the whole thing. There's no sex in this snuff film that is yeah. porn. It is just death that's yeah. it although they they uh, when they describe it before he watches it they say it starts out like typical smut which not really i mean there's a guy in a gimp mask and a scantily clad woman but other than that it's not very smutty it's just like filmed in a dirty basement yeah it's it's really there it doesn't seem to be a whole lot of smut about it besides the guy in the gimp mask who it could have been a ski mask for all that matters he's yeah. just fucking killing a woman and uh, i don't know who gets off to this but uh apparently 
it's a large market for it. I don't know. But yeah. So he says he can't tell if it's real, but it certainly looks very real and suggests that they go to the police. But the widow is like, please, no, I need you to do it. I can't let this out to the public. I can't ruin my husband's reputation because her husband is a very wealthy man. They oh, live yeah. in like a. It's you know, essentially ridiculous... Wayne Manor. Oh, yeah, like... <laughs> it looks like it. I believe her husband was Thomas Wayne. Yeah. Uh, and he just got shot in an alley by Joe Chill and they're son is off doing some shit i don't know it's just, it's, it's, yeah the son is off uh he's looking for his dad's uh murder born i think <laughs> but uh so cage then goes home and he packs up to investigate brings his gun with him his wife is like why are you bringing a gun and he's like it's a precaution i won't need it i won't need it but he will spoilers uh also fun fact it's a walter ppk it looks like yeah uh, for gun geeks out there um that's the James Bond gun. The, ja- the James Bond one. Mm-hmm. So he begins looking into the film in general in Cleveland. For I don't know why he ends up in Cleveland, but I he mean, does. <laughs> if I saw a film like this and I wanted to find out where it got made, Cleveland would be the first place <laughs> I would look. It's a good place to check. Um, the train's taking jobs away from Cleveland. <laughs> if anyone remembers what that's from, props to you. But um, but he notices. That the guy in the film has like a satanic star tattoo on his like on his right on his hand. hand yeah. yeah, between his thumb and his index finger. And that's the guy murdering the person. And uh, so he looks into it. He does a bunch of investigating. He works with the police department and shit, which I didn't know private investigators could get access to police information. I had no idea. If that's the case, interesting. Yeah, uh, it but wasn't very hard for him to just get in and start looking at records of lost children yeah but he essentially he determines that the film stock was discontinued in 1992 the film that it's on so it has to be someone who disappeared right around then and he matches up the photo with someone named mary ann matthews who went missing in 93 so he goes and he talks to mary's mother janet and uh turns out like mary was having a rough home life uh Mary Ann, who is the the person who's missing, and uh, she hated her stepdad, and uh, she didn't have a good time at home, and her mom hit her once, and then the next day, she was gone, Uh, and Janet never saw her daughter again, reported her missing to the police. So Cage is like, can I look around? Looks around her house, and he finds a hidden notebook in a toilet tank, Um, and in it, Mary, it's Mary's diary. And it says she's running off with her boyfriend in town named Warren, and they're going to go to Hollywood, and she wants to become a movie star. Yeah, so, it's it's definitely hidden so well that uh, her mom wouldn't have found it in the years uh, since she's been missing. She never, in six years, never had a single problem with the toilet where she had to lift the tank up and look at it. Yes, <laughs> and best of all, the notebook was still in... Good enough condition to read. So, yeah, despite the fact that water will leak through a Ziploc bag that it was sealed in. Um, yeah. So, um, I mean, I, we can just thank God for that. <laughs> so, Cage then looks into Warren Anderson, who is the person that she was going to, who Mary Ann was dating. Or, Warren Anderson is locked up for breaking and entering in a prison here in Pennsylvania. Talks to him. It turns out that uh, they moved out to L.A., and then he almost immediately broke up with her. 
and uh, he says some very disparaging comments about her, uh, saying, all like, oh, that bitch, and then talking about how fucking, she, yeah, she said she was going to go work in a titty bar, even though her titties were shitty. Yeah, yeah. and uh, her ex was played by a, a young Norman Reedus. Yeah, I, uh, I wasn't sure if that was him or not, but... Yeah, he's so much younger than what I'm used to seeing him, yeah. you know, and his voice was, like, way higher, so I was, like, tripped up, but I was like, that's gotta be Norman Reedus. But he definitely looks greasy. <laughs> he looks very greasy. But uh, after that information, he goes over to uh, Janet, Marianne's mother, and says, like, hey, if I found out what happened to her and it was really bad, if she was dead, would you want to know that, or would you rather just not know and just believe that she's, you know... Living uh, in California. Yeah, living some... in California, living the good life. Yeah. Uh, and then the mother says, like, I'd, uh, I'd rather know. I have to know. So then he's like, okay. And he leaves. He goes to L.A. And uh, he goes to, like, a porn store to find, like, listings of strip clubs where she may have worked. And uh, there he meets Joaquin Phoenix, who looks like... Billy Joe Armstrong, like circa, like <laughs> circa 99, like 2000, like around American idiot era, which is actually five years after the dates I just listed. But, um, but, uh, he's dressed like that, except he wears like latex instead of the black t-shirts. I don't know. But, yeah. He, he, uh, dresses like a guy who not only works in a sex shop, but is about to like direct a sex movie. Yeah. And to be honest, I gotta I gotta admire Joaquin Phoenix. I like Joaquin Phoenix. I think he's a good actor. I think he's, he's really good at what he does. I yeah, and he can play such a variety of roles. Like I guess the ones I'm thinking of right now are this movie, and then my default for thinking of him is the movie Gladiator. That's yeah. what I always think of him as. Um, which he does great role as Commodus in there, and then as the Joker in the newest movie, and and or the new Joker movie that just came out. You know. Yeah, and I mean, I, I will say that he is one of my favorite actors, uh, mm-hmm. and um, I was very excited for this movie because uh, it has two of my favorite actors in it, mm-hmm. Jimmy Gandolfini <laughs> and the Joaquin Phoenix. Um, <laughs> so, Joaquin the and Hawk. the Jimmy. Yeah. yeah um, so, yeah. basically, this movie's untouchable. Mm-hmm. <laughs> um. <laughs> Well, there you have it. You don't have to listen to the end. No, I'm sorry. Wait, we didn't get into the the child porn stuff. (laughs) That's true. But yeah, uh, Joaquin Phoenix does a pretty good job in this movie. And as I was saying, those three roles that I just listed there are three completely different things, and yet he's good in all of them. So I I just got to say, Joaquin Phoenix, good actor. Maybe we'll do a Joaquin Phoenix podcast. I would love that. (laughs) But uh, it turns out he talks to Joaquin Phoenix more, and it turns out Joaquin Phoenix has like directions for all the illegal weirdo porn that might involve snuff films and stuff yeah, like he's that. Yeah, got, he's got all the connections to the weird like underground porn swap meets. Yeah. <laughs> uh, which there there are several, several different ones. Um, and when a guy like Nicolas Cage comes through asking for uh, murder porn, they don't take kindly to it. Yeah, they don't. So he takes him to several illegal porn bazaars, and like, they, he's like, "Do you got any snuff films?" And then like, like a guy who was that Danny Trejo because it looked just like him. Honestly, I, I'm not sure. Uh, but like, just whips out a pistol and it's like, "What the fuck are you talking about? Get the fuck out of here!" And like, you know, they throw money at him and they throw him out. Yeah, th- and oh. these these were believed. Uh, uh, we're we're led to believe that these are the lowest of the low degenerates, mm. um, and at the mere mention of snuff films, um, they're like, "Hey, 
I finally found someone shittier than me, and so <laughs> yes. they retaliate immediately. <laughs> they fuck. They they get mad. But uh, they go to one, and they find some snuff films there, but they determine that they're fake because they got two in a row that had the same murdered girl in them. So they're like, okay, so that's fake. Well, yeah. but um, I mean, unless uh, they found a pair of twins, <laughs> um, and they wanted to do a double feature, so they killed them both, made two movies. Yeah, it could be. Either way, the snuff films they had, they found, had no connection with this case whatsoever. Yes. But, um, but uh, then, like, Cage is like, you know, you, Joaquin Phoenix, who I don't remember his name. So Max he, California. Oh, Max California. Yeah. That sounds like a porn star if I've ever heard it one. It really does. And I didn't realize until I saw his name in the credits that his, I thought he was, his name was just Max. And I thought he was calling him, like, Max California because he, like... Takes him to California and oh yeah, whatever yeah, uh, but that's his name. <laughs> so, <laughs> but uh, so he's like, "Why are you doing this?" He seemed like a smart, good guy. Like, and he's Joaquin Phoenix is like, "Hey, I'm trying to make it in a you know like a punk band or something," and like I'm not getting signed, and this is the only thing that pays me enough. I don't endorse this shit, but like when people are looking for it, I direct them to it, and it makes me money. So, yeah, he's uh, he likes the cash. Mm-hmm. They're trying to make it seem like, you know, they're trying to make you like this guy who happens to know a lot about illegal porn. So. Yeah. <laughs> uh, and it, I mean, I questioned it at first, but uh, and it, maybe it's just the the Joaquin Phoenix aspect of it. But I couldn't <laughs> dislike the guy. Yeah. He's, he seems like a good dude. And he, he plays some bass. He plays I some bass. <laughs> he wears some great leather pants and like a fishnet tank top. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> Looking good. So. As this goes on, oh, I noted that someone seems to be following Cage, but that never really came up all that much. Yeah, it it came up um, a couple times, uh, very briefly. Um, there, there's one scene where he goes back to talk to Max California, and um, at, when they zoom out at the end of the shot, and there's somebody in a car watching them. Oh, yeah. um, and then it happens again later, um, but they don't really... They, uh, it, they don't that's never directly addressed but it kind of comes up later i guess maybe that yeah, whoever it, may have been receiving that information comes up later but, yeah yeah but it's never directly addressed but um so cage finds out that marianne used to work at a place called like celebrity films and he finds the guy eddie plays by james gandolfini hey. who is there and he seems to be hiding something when cage talks to him and he's like hey did this girl work here and then he's like no nah, i've never seen her before even though he stares at the picture for a long time and then uh, <laughs> he stares <laughs> with definite recognition yeah. and says nah uh, <laughs> nah not her um so he breaks in after hours and bugs that guy's phone in his office and then he gives him a cryptic phone call later like saying like hey I know you killed that girl several years ago. And then, like, you know, then rents, like, an apartment across the street also. Yeah. I forget to mention He's He's uh, rear-windowing him, just yep. watching everything he does, including getting his uh, ding-dong sucked. Yeah. <laughs> so, yeah, after he makes that phone call, he just picks up the binoculars, looks out the window, listens to the bugged phone, and hears him make a phone call to us, which he traces. And uh, he says to this guy... Like, uh, hey, we need to get together and talk face to face. We can't talk on the phone. And then the guy's like, hey, fuck you. And then <laughs> that's it. But Cage <laughs> traces the number and it goes to New York to a guy named like, uh, like, I forget his first name. Something Velvet. Uh, yeah, I was like Don or something. I don't know. Yeah, something it started like with that. a D, but I, I was guessing Don too. So it's Don <laughs> Velvet from now on. <laughs> Donnie V. <laughs> yeah. 
so uh uh phoenix tells him like oh yeah that's some like bdsm director and uh so they fly to new york together to investigate because joaquin phoenix is just he's the porn guy he knows everything he's, about the he's porn the porn guy he <laughs> uh he's got nothing but time yeah i should mention also in between all these scenes cage's wife is like calling him holding her daughter their their yeah. daughter and being like hey we just want to talk to you and make sure you're doing okay and cage is like we're doing great and you know lovey-dovey stuff yeah um, and then that turns into her repeatedly just desperately trying to get a hold of him yeah yeah eventually as it goes on she's calling he's not there to answer but um so they they go to new york they go to some porn stores there and uh he finds in another movie the same guy with the satanic star tattoo in the same place in another movie, and Phoenix is like, oh, yeah, that guy's the machine or something. <laughs> which, yeah, the machine. Yeah, which reminds me of a weird, like, Burt Kirshner uh, comedy bit. He's a Russian affiliate. <laughs> yeah, he's a Russian affiliate. If anyone hasn't seen that, look up, like, Burt Kirshner, the machine. It's it's funny. But, Maybe that's uh, why you thought... Um... Danny Trejo is in this movie because uh, he mistakes his name for mach- as Machete. Yeah, at first he's like, his name's like Machete. No, Machine. That's it. Yeah. yeah. So maybe that was Danny Trejo. Well, it wasn't. We see you later. But, but, Some guy. But it could have been. Um, so they go to that director, Mr. Don Velvet. Uh, and The guy from Fargo? Is that? Yeah. Uh, Peter Stormare is his name. And I mainly remember him from Fargo, but uh, he's also... Well, actually, what I really mainly remember him from is in The Lost World, the sequel to oh. Jurassic Park. He gets eaten by a bunch of consubnathuses. Yes. Compsognathus. And uh, that's that's his best role. That's <laughs> well, true. actually, Fargo's probably his best role. I do like that. But yeah, uh, the guy in the 90s who played the weird, tall, fucked up dude in every movie from the yeah. 90s, it's that guy. <laughs> that sleazy guy. <laughs> yeah, that sleazy dude. Um. So they go to him and commission him and we're like, hey, uh, I want you to make a movie with the machine. We'll pay you like, you know, like $10,000. And he's like, all right. And they're like, I got like, you know, I got one condition. I just got to watch, you know, I got to be there while it's happening. I got to get my little rocks off. Mm-hmm. So they do that. And then uh, uh, they commission him. And the guy's like, yeah, yeah, just uh, give me a call later and I'll tell you where to be and when. And uh, so after that, Cage is like, hey. Joaquin, take this money. I got it from the lady who's hiring me to be a private investigator. You just go back home now and leave and don't get hurt. You're a good dude. Get the fuck out of this shit. And then Phoenix is like, but we're going to be like detectives and shit. I got this. You don't know porn like I do, man. And then uh, he's like, yeah, but I think I got it from here. So they're like, okay, you think Phoenix is going to go home? Oh, shit. I wrote it down in my notes. It's Dino Velvet, not Don Velvet. but. Cades shows up to the building to watch the movie as it's being directed. And uh, Mr. He's Don Velvet. I don't care. It's a better name than Dino Velvet. (laughs) Uh, Mr. Don Velvet is there and he's shooting a crossbow at a cross. And the machine is just standing there, you know, like dressed in his usual BDSM gear. And there's no girls. Yeah, there's no girls. And then he's like, where are the girls? And he's like, they're always late. But then what do you know? Mr. Velvet threatens him with the crossbow, and they take his gun uh, away from him. And then Eddie, the head of celebrity film, shows up, and uh, 
then suddenly also after that, the the widow who hired him in the first place, her lawyer who was like involved in the estate account and stuff, he shows up. Yeah, uh, that, that this whole thing is going off the rails and then the lawyer shows up. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah, it was already enough of a twist for me, I guess. But then the fucking lawyer showed up and I'm like, oh, shit. And uh, suddenly they bring in Joaquin Phoenix and he's like duct taped up. He's got duct tape over his face and shit and he's getting held up. And uh, they'll say they'll kill Phoenix and Cage's family if they don't bring him the, the film that they know he has because, you know, the lawyer's the one who gave it to him in the first place. So uh, the lawyer follows him at gunpoint to go back to his car to go get the film and he tells him like apparently the lawyer commissioned the snuff film for mr dead rich guy yeah and he's now like he's trying to cover his ass and he hired cage because he assumed he was such a young green dude that he wouldn't be able to like you know figure out like anything but cage did way better than he ever thought he did and now he's got to kill him <laughs> yeah and uh also part of uh nicholas cage's character throughout this movie is that he's like while all this is going on, he there's that like human part inside of him that is just trying to figure out who would do this and why. Yeah. Um, and he's not getting any answers uh, from anybody. And like when he talks to the lawyer, he's like, I just gotta know why. Yeah. Why and, the fuck would he? We did, what does he just get off to fucking people being killed? And the lawyer's just like, he did it because he could. You yeah. Know? That's <laughs> like, that's all you get. So. uh Eat the rich. <laughs> Eat the rich. Uh, they will kill whoever they want to as long as it's not themselves. So Cage brings the film back and then he's like, "You." and before I give this to you, you just got to let Joaquin Phoenix go. And they're like, all right, let him go. And they just fucking kill him right there. Slit his throat and sadness. R.I.P. Maxi California. Yeah. R.I.P. Max California. R.I.P. Emperor Commodus, but you know, Emperor Commodus should have died. But, <laughs> but R.I.P. Uh, what could have been Johnny Mark Cash. Wahlberg? <laughs> yeah, what could have been Mark Wahlberg? And um, and then they cuff Cage to a bed, and uh, Cage found out from the widow when he told her, like, look at any weird financial records from your husband, you know, like six, seven years ago, and she called him back a while ago and said, like, well, it turns out like he had five different bank accounts and he paid out five checks that together totaled one million dollars. So Cage is like. You know, when Cage is getting cuffed to the bed, he's like, why are you guys still these small timey thugs and shit? You made a million dollars off of this. Why don't you go off and do something else? And then, you know, Mr. Velvet and Eddie are like, whoa, 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 one million dollars? One million dollars? Yeah. I I don't recall (laughs) that sum. I don't recall that. So they look at the lawyer and the lawyer's like, and he's like, yeah, maybe I shorted you, but like, you know, so... Standoff, uh, Mr. Velvet shoots the lawyer with the crossbow, and then the lawyer shoots Velvet with his gun. So those two die, and uh, Cage ends up breaking free in that little scuffle and fight, and uh, the machine and Eddie are chasing after him, but he, like, you know, he stabs the machine in the stomach with, like, a... It's like a tire iron or something. Yeah, some sharp spike he got out of the trunk of his car that he was able to hide i don't know but uh so they chase after him but cage gets away and uh he gets back in his car he calls his family and tells them like you know meet me where we had vacation back in the fourth of july uh you got to get out of the house and then um he also calls the widow that hired him and says like hey the film is real there was it was a lady named marianne matthews she got murdered like uh 
and uh, like I'll meet with you, you know, like tonight and tell you everything. And uh, so she's like, oh, OK, and then hangs up. And, so, and keep in mind, when he contacts his family here and like tells them out of the blue, like you have to flee to this location. Uh, they've been trying to reach him for God knows how long and have not heard from him. Yeah, so his, his wife is reasonably upset. Yeah, she's kind of uh, pissed. So yeah, when he meets up with his wife, she's frantic, like she's pissed, she's panicking. He's like, why, what's going on? You haven't told me anything about what's happening. Uh, and she's freaking out at him and he doesn't tell her anything at all. <laughs> he's still. just like, be cool, be cool. He's just like, be cool. Like, I'll call you and tell you when you can get home, all right? I gotta wash the blood off my face and bust out of these handcuffs that are still on my hand. But um, uh, he goes to meet with the widow and uh, finds that the widow has killed herself. And uh, she left a note for him and a note for Marianne's family. Uh, and uh, so then he goes back to his wife to prepare to do some shit. <clears throat> it kind of uh, feels like the movie's ending at this point. It really did. Point. I thought it was going to be just about to be over at that whole part with the crossbow and the that, porno that movie. That really seemed like the ending. And nope. then he reunites with his family. And I was like, okay, credits are about to roll. <laughs> yep. But we've got a whole, like, half hour of movie left. Yeah. And it goes to some darker places. <laughs> yeah, he's not done yet. <laughs> he's not done. So he he leaves, and uh, as he's leaving, his wife is like, well, if you're not going to tell me anything, don't expect me to be here when you come back. You know, so, and then Cage is like, bah, well, I've got to do this. Ah. <laughs> that's my shitty Nicolas Cage impression, which should really be better considering I've watched like 30 of his movies at this point. It's pretty spot on, <laughs> I, I would have to say. He does a lot of bad accents, so just chalk it up to that. Yeah. So Cage flies all the way back to L.A., and he finds Eddie and just threatens him like immediately. He's like, you're taking me to where you killed Mary, all right? And then he hears the whole story from Eddie, which has some bad details where Eddie's like, I don't know, some guy wants to jerk off and watch a girl die? Well, fuck it. You know, what's the matter to me? I just I'm just trying to make some money. I'm Tony <laughs> Soprano. <laughs> yeah, that's what I do, you know. Get off my back. What are you, Carmella? <laughs> God damn it. I got to go talk to Dr. Milfi now about this <laughs> shit. <laughs> but, um, and uh, so... He hears the whole story from Eddie and ties him up, and he's, like, about to kill him. But and Eddie's like, do it, you little bitch. Just fucking do it. I know you're not going to do it. So Cage walks out, and he calls Janet, Marianne's mother, and he's like, hey, I know you said you wanted to know, like, the truth, if she, what happened to her, and she's dead. And the, I know who the men who killed her are, and, like, give me your permission to punish them. Yeah. <laughs> so He's like, just, just tell me you love her. And I will make it happen. <laughs> yeah, and she starts crying and saying, like, I love them. And then says, like, why did you tell me this also? But, uh, so he goes back in there, and he beats G James Gandolfini to death with his gun. <laughs> yeah, well, because uh, also one of the things that uh, Gandolfini says to him when he's, like, calling him a pussy who uh, won't shoot him, mm -hmm. he's like, they'll, they'll get your fingerprints off the bullet, they'll track you down or whatever. And so yeah. he goes back in, and he's like, joke's on you, bitch. Uh, and... As I mentioned before, they don't show any of that, uh, but he comes back out and the handle of his uh, pistol is all bloody. Yeah, it's super bloody. He pulls out some gas cans and lights the whole building on fire. He, he pulls out gas cans and then he has a trunk full of porn that he dumps around James Gandolfini's <laughs> yeah. body uh, yeah. and just burns the whole nine yards. Burns the whole fucking thing down. 
So then he flies back to New York and he's got his eyes on the machine. <laughs> oh, yeah. So he's going to find out where the machine is. He calls around to hospitals to find him since he stabbed him when he last saw him. He assumes the machine had to go to a hospital. And he he's right. He finds out, posing as a police officer, that uh, he finds the machine's address and name which for some reason I neglected to write down. <laughs> it's, I mean, it's, they say it like once or twice. It, I, it's not that important. It's, uh, not, no. it's, his name's like, it's uh, Chuck Matthew Jameson or something. It's Chuck Matthew Jameson. That's what it is now. And, uh, <laughs> so cage finds him in the, uh, he goes to his house and it's like searching around the house while like record is playing. And, uh, eventually like, uh, the machine just breaks out on him wearing the gimp mask because he knows he's there. And there's a scuffle and Cage comes out on top and like is aiming a gun at him and says, take your mask off. And then the guy takes his mask off and he's like, what, you were expecting to see a monster? Well, here's the honest truth. I'm just a normal dude. I just like this fucked up shit. I like killing people. All right. <laughs> yeah. Again, uh, no answers to any of uh, Nicolas Cage's burning questions. Uh, everybody in this movie is mo- their motivation is uh, this is just who I am. Yeah. Or I, I, I had the opportunity, so I went for it. Yep. And uh, so he kills the machine. Then he goes home and he just like stumbles into the house and sees that his wife and kid are there and just you know cries reunited with them. Yeah. Just just breaks down. Um, and then uh, his wife's like, uh, no, fuck you still. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> so then later on, he gets a letter from Janet, Marianne's mother, thanking him for punishing the men and giving her closure and letting her know. And she says, you know, like, I hated you for letting me know, but like, it's good to know that everything's good. And then credits roll. Bam. Everything's good. I personally actually think it would have worked better without that last scene with the letter. Uh, I didn't need to know that Janet, you know, thanked him eventually. Like, I just, yeah, I liked, I like it to end even bleaker. <laughs> I know. I, I agree completely. There was a few times where this movie could have ended, but I, I think it would have been fine if it had ended with, uh, him killing the machine and crying on his wife and then, yeah, that's it. That's it. But, um, so overall thoughts on this movie, you got any? Um, I mean, I I actually really enjoyed this movie. Uh, I mean, it it wasn't great or perfect, and there there was some uh some questionable stuff in there. But uh, overall, it had a it had a great cast, and uh, I mean, it it kept me pretty engaged. So yeah. yeah, I was really surprised at the amount of like. I mean, none of them are really big nowadays. I guess aside from maybe Joaquin and Cage, but um. I mean, the amount of, like, pretty big people for the 90s who were in this movie, like, yeah. all of a sudden, and that I'd never heard of it before, it it kept me engaged for quite a while, like, especially the part when they were about to go witness the, you know, the movie being made and everything right. that he'd commissioned him for, that got me, and then, well, I mean, the whole bit afterwards probably could have been cut down a little bit, you know? Yeah, I, and I mean, it it was a, a very intense movie, uh, I... I I could feel like um where uh like David Fincher's uh guidance would have gone in this movie because th- mm. there's a lot of like Fincher-esque uh aspects to this movie but right. not quite. <laughs> um so I I feel like 
I, I mean, I really enjoyed this movie. Ultimately, I would have been incredible to see what he would have done with it. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, I think it could have been a really great movie if David Finchner was the director. Yeah. Um, but I mean, overall, uh, I thought this was a pretty solid flick. Yeah. So yeah, um, uh, I guess the things I have to say, one, it's a very like film noir type homage styled movie. It's got like the same types of shots and stuff like that. And it's mostly set in darkness, you know, and things like that. And I like that. I like that homage type aspect because I like a lot of old film noir movies. I think those are cool movies because i'm a lame ass who likes old movies but um joaquin phoenix's character sometimes felt like a bit of a like a deus ex machina it's whenever cage needed any information about porn whatsoever he He was just just there to supply it yeah but uh i mean phoenix paid him or played the character well and everything yeah he he was was believable in what he was doing um and uh also the scene when he's going through the machine's house like i just briefly mentioned it in passing but that was a i thought that was a cool scene because like he walks in and he hears a record playing with like some really loud music that's like you know boom, 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 that industrial edm from the 90s yeah um and like as he's walking around it suddenly cuts out and cage wanders into the room with the record player doesn't see him there and you just keep hearing the skipping of the record that's finished like over and over again and then cage just walks through the house slowly looking at everything and just the the slow record noise playing with that is just cool i think it's, it, it was a very cool intense scene yeah and um, then all yeah sorry and, and and like uh the scuffle between them was also very like it started out with nicholas cage getting thrown through a window yeah <laughs> like, yeah and it was all like believable too you know what i mean like it was actually a lot of action scenes just people do things that are just flat out unbelievable you know what i mean yeah. like it's because like i think people are kind of desensitized at this point to humanly possible feats so right. we have to show things that are physically impossible but like uh i don't know he gets tossed out the window and then the guy comes out to the machine comes out to kill him and like slips off the roof and just falls down and like busts his ass. Yeah. Like, you know, neither of these guys is a fighter, you know, they just do what they do. Yeah. I, um, I feel like it was all choreographed really well. Um, mm-hmm. cause it, at no point did I feel like, um, I was sure that Nicholas Cage was going to make it out of this or vice versa. Yeah. Um, honestly, at certain points I had like a suspicion that Nicolas Cage was going to end up being in the next snuff film. You know what I mean? That would have been, and given the tone of the movie, it wouldn't have been that off putting, you know, it honestly (laughs) wouldn't have it. Uh, it, it, I think it would have fit pretty well. Um, there was, there was a very bleak tone to this entire movie, which is part of why I like, I'm, I'm, I'm with you. I, I enjoyed the bleakness of, uh, films like this. So. I was surprised by this, you know? I've never heard anything about this movie before. Uh, I'd never heard of it. Like, when I started watching it, I was like, yeah, I'm going to watch, like, 18 millimeter or 80 millimeter. So, oh, it's 8 millimeter. That's it. <laughs> like, 8 mile. <laughs> yeah, it's 8 mile. There's going to be a rap battle. Yeah, I didn't remember Nicolas Cage being an 8 mile, but we'll watch B-Rabbit, whatever. <laughs> but, yeah, pleasantly surprised with this one. Honestly, Nicolas Cage would do a great slim shady i bet yeah let's see it. you know i did take a lot of notes oh let's hear him buddy i mean it's a lot so are, are you ready for him <laughs> yeah let's see let's see what you got let's let's hear it buddy all right eight millimeter movie has fisting 
Oh. Gerard Way plays the Phantom of the Opera, and a shoemaker plays chess with Nicolas Cage's Joey shoes. <laughs> they are kangaroo shoes. He has eight millimeters and went to Cranbrook. That's a private school. <laughs> they want more pedophilia. Nick and Mike specifically. Oh, God. They are namblers. Now, Paul Harvey News. Set in 1995 Detroit, Nicolas Cage portrays a young, unhappy, blue-collar worker from a poor family. Cage has moved back from 8-mile, eight 8-millimeter eight road, excuse me, <laughs> to a rundown trailer home in Warren, Michigan, and lives with his alcoholic mother, Stephanie, his younger sister, Lily, and Stephanie's abusive live-in boyfriend, Joaquin Phoenix. <laughs> Although encouraged by his friends... Cage worries about his own potential as a rapper. One night, Cage freezes during a rap battle at a local venue, and he leaves the stage humiliated. During the day, Cage works at a car factory. When he asks for extra shifts, his supervisor rudely dismisses his request on account of his habitual tardiness. Later on, Cage befriends a woman named Alex. Cage begins taking more responsibility for the direction in his life. When he exhibits an improved attitude and a performance at his work, his supervisor grants him the extra shifts he requested. At some point, Stephanie receives an eviction notice as she can't pay rent. Despite her best attempts to keep the eviction notice a secret, Joaquin Phoenix finds out about it and confronts Stephanie. When Cage attacks Phoenix for threatening his mother... They fight, and Phoenix leaves Stephanie for good. Cage's relationship with Wink, a radio DJ with ties to a record label promoter, becomes strange after he <laughs> discovers that Wink does promotional group for Cage's rivals, a rap group known as the Leaders of the Free World. At one point, Cage and his friends get into a violent brawl with the Leaders, which is disrupted by Cage's friend Cheddar Bob as he pulls out a gun and accidentally shoots himself in the leg. He survives, but is confined to crutches. At work one day, after while on lunch break, Cage witnesses a rap battle in which an employee insults a, a pedophilic co-worker named Paul. Cage joins the rap battle and defends Paul. Alex is impressed by Cage's actions, and Wink arranges for Cage to meet with producers at a recording studio. But Cage finds Wink and Alex engage in intercourse. Enraged, Cage attacks Wink as Alex tries to break up their altercation while filming. In retaliation, Wink and the leaders of the free world assault Cage outside of his trailer. The leader of the gang, Papa Doc, holds, a, <laughs> holds Jimmy at gunpoint, threatening to kill him until Wink dissuades him. Once the group has left Cage alone, his mother returns with enough money to pay for the eviction, having won it at a bingo tournament. Jimmy's best friend... Oh, fuck, I fucked this up. Okay, in conclusion, this is a movie about porn, written by somebody who's never seen porn, during times when porn was not easily accessible. That, that was, was an excellent summary of 8 Mile. That was pretty much spot on. Yeah. Um, that's what I watched, so... I have more, but I'm reading it poorly. <laughs> it's okay. <laughs> uh, I, I'm honestly, that's probably uh, the most coherent thing that you've done on this podcast. So I appreciate it. Yeah, thanks. It was from Wikipedia. <laughs> I assumed you were reading uh, from Wikipedia that... page of Eight Mile. <laughs> wow, I, I had no idea. Yeah, that's wow. Uh, um, well. but yeah, the, uh, it was a, a good, good, good summary here. 
And uh, overall, enjoyable film. I'm I'm in that fifty-two percent. Okay. I'm a. I am part of the fifty-two percent. <laughs> we are the fifty-two percent. <laughs> All right. And uh, on that note, we're going to occupy Hollywood or occupy the critics' work spaces. I'm gonna know. go beat the shit out of Siskel and Ebert if either of them are still alive. One of them's dead for sure. <laughs> Maybe both. I don't Didn't know. they get attacked by tigers? Yep. Yeah, they yeah. did. We're gonna have to go to Vegas <laughs> and find Siskel and Ebert. <laughs> But uh, we're going to take a short little break, and then we'll be back to you with Ghost Rider Spirit of Vengeance. Ghost so. Rider 2. Yeah. Spirit. <laughs> Vengeance. Bye. Also, the budget on this one is fifty-five to seventy-five million dollars. So there's twenty million dollars that is questionable about whether or not it was spent on this movie, and I don't understand that. <laughs> it was either used to to film the movie or um, given to the craft services. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> twenty million dollars on shitty sandwiches. <laughs> Maybe it was in the marketing. I don't know. Because yeah, I, I remember, be. like the when Men in Black Three came out, didn't they say that was like the most expensive movie of all time to date or something like that? And almost all of the money was in the marketing campaign and not actually really? in the movie. I, I didn't know that. If I remember correctly, yeah. And I think they actually they might have done that specifically as a marketing ploy, even too. Like they spent <laughs> extra money on marketing to make the budget bigger so that. They, could, they say. could say it was the most expensive movie of all time, and then that was a marketing ploy, you know? Yeah, that, I mean, wait, was that the, the newest Men in Black or Men in Black 3? Men in Black 3. Okay. Yeah. Because the newest one doesn't even have Will Smith in it, does it? I don't think so. I haven't yeah. seen it. Yeah, yeah, it was the last one that had Will Smith in it. But um, I'm going to Google right now, what's the most expensive movie of all time? I think... I. Th- when I feel like when Avatar came out, that was the most expensive. It was movie. definitely. Yeah. I think wasn't Titanic extremely expensive too. Um, got to spend money to make many BB. I think Titanic was, but Avatar I think really strikes me because it was like a hundred million dollars, and that was a huge budget. Now that's just like that's typical chump change. Yeah. yeah, that's that's what most big movies have now, which yeah. is insane. Like I don't know. I guess because. You know, I've become like, you know, a more conscious adult of these things than I was for the rest of my life. And like to just think about how different the actual climate that I've grown up in for movies is from what it was historically. And that I never noticed these changes happening because they changed at a time when I wasn't I wasn't looking up movie budgets. You weren't paying attention at the time. (laughs) Yeah. Like, um, but now it's like the more you spend on a movie, the worse it will be. Yeah, (laughs) seriously. I don't know. Have you seen this whole like controversy about like uh, uh Martin Scorsese and yeah, with, uh, Marvel shitting on Marvel? Yeah, yeah. Which like I don't know. I feel like that's I don't know. if people like Marvel movies, that's cool. I, I'm not going to shit on you for liking what you like, but yeah, like I totally but, understand what it is that he's saying. You know well, that it's kind of like killing off the opportunity of smaller filmmakers because it yeah. all goes to these big budget movies that are the same exact fucking thing. Yeah, what he's like, saying is spot on. Like I, I, on the one hand, he does come off as like a grumpy old man, but he is one of the greatest living directors. And yeah. I, uh, the Irishman is in theaters right now but it'll be on Netflix at the end of this week. And it's, I'm so excited to watch it. Oh, yeah. Um, and I can guarantee you it'll be 10 times better than Endgame. Oh, uh, yeah. So 
I yeah. didn't even see Endgame. I feel like it's good. I mean, I liked it as as uh I feel like that's all anyone can really say about most, you know. You can't really go in depth about them. Like they're they're not deep movies. Um Yeah. I the, the thing that I appreciate investments. You know what I mean? Right. That's really what I I feel like all these fucking big budget movies now are just a fucking investment. I'm sorry. It's like they put enough money in it, they make it safe enough that anybody can watch this and walk away feeling okay with it and not tell people to not go see it. Right. And uh they make a shitload of money off of it and they're not in it to make a movie they're in it to make an, an a solid right. investment they make know? something big and shiny <laughs> um yeah and i mean like what i liked about endgame uh specifically uh was that i thought it did a good job of wrapping up like the 30 movies that led up to it uh -huh. but without those movies it wouldn't have had that impact so it, oh, yeah. it's kind of i mean well and from what I heard, a lot of people talked about it like it was the end of Marvel, but it's they're still nah. cranking out movies. They right. still got a bunch more planned for the next five years. Also, it's that's like, a three-hour movie. Yeah. Three hours. That's another thing that I never noticed as a kid is how the average movie has gotten much longer than it used to be also. Like, movies used to be, on average, an hour and a half, and a two-hour movie was, like, an extra long one, and, like, a two-and-a-half-hour yeah. movie was a real long one. Now movies average at least two hours, usually push two-and-a-half. Right. <laughs> and, uh, do you think that has to do with the fact that, uh, like, VHS tapes are no longer, like, you know, prohibiting the length of things? They don't have to worry about releases? splitting it into, like, two tapes? Yeah, I think that might have something to do with it, uh, but... Also, Maybe just directors are getting more self-indulgent. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> like, well, that's another thing, too, that I think is like a director's cuts became like a thing. And then if you yeah. actually look into each bomber guy did a good video about director's cuts recently. That is interesting. If you actually look into the history of them, director's cuts were almost immediately a marketing ploy by the studio and never actually like the actual director. The oh, first wow. director's cut that was ever released was Blade Runner. Oh, the the final cut. Yeah, and uh, no, the director's cut because the oh. final cut came out afterwards. Um, and Ridley Scott didn't even actually have that much say in the director's cut. The studio cut it and called it the director's cut. And he he wrote some suggestions and a memo and said what he would do with it. And then they followed that, but also did their own thing. And like that's really what most of them are at this point. Is like they release an extra one that wasn't in theaters, and now like. Even that's kind of fallen apart. I, I'm sorry. I've I've gone off of a tangent, off of a tangent. Yeah. At this point, but and see, uh, like in regards to uh, Avengers being three hours, uh, the new Scorsese movie is three and a half <laughs> hours, which is insane. But I would much rather sit through three and a half hours. Like people complain about the runtime of movies like uh, you know, fucking Heat and Casino that are all like three hours long, but uh. And I, I could see being put off by that, but with movies like Heat specifically, uh, I... At least something is always happening during I am three hours. sucked in for three hours. Like, yeah. I am willing to watch that for three hours. Mm -hmm. um, and Whereas, like, uh, the Avengers Endgame movie was, like, three hours to fit all the cameos in. <laughs> it, right, essentially, they're like, okay, we have 40 characters we gotta put on screen, we have, like, these ten different loose ends we have to wrap up. And, you know, new threads to start to, to, to keep people uh, wanting more. And mm -hmm. I mean, I, I enjoyed the movie, but uh, it's, you know, it's not 
it's not a movie that I'm going to look back on. And like, for example, I just put together like my list of my favorite movies of the decade because mm-hmm. uh, I was feeling corny. Oh, yeah. um, and not a single Marvel movie on. I mean, I put Logan on there, but not like Marvel Cinematic Universe uh, yeah. didn't make the cut because like I enjoy going to see those movies. But looking back on what movies like had an actual impact yeah. on on how I felt about it, at least uh, uh, those movies don't really yeah. clock. That's- you know, this is, I think, kind of a full circle sort of conversation, because another thing that I think really impacts that is the fact that a lot of television, such as like The Sopranos and like, you know, uh, Breaking Bad and et cetera, um, are really cinematic in nature and give you way, way, way more than just like an hour and a half movie could possibly. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah, and I, I actually feel like that is a little bit of a factor in why movies are getting longer because they're taking a little... Because, you know, like a a TV series that is 14-hour-long episodes can give you way more character development, and they're trying yeah, to... Yeah, exactly. a lot of They're the trying to match to, that level of character development. Yeah, uh, so they, they end up getting longer and longer, but, like, you know, there are certain ones, like... There's certain ones that are that long and just don't have character development or what they view as character development is not really character development. It's a person changing their mind about a specific issue, but they didn't change as a person. You know what right. I mean? <laughs> like, I don't know. They're, I, they're not that far <laughs> off from where they started at the at the beginning. Yeah. I don't know. Uh, TV is movies now. Yeah. It's so, true. And, right. Like, so the other day, I, I sorry, I keep bringing up The Sopranos and The Irishman. Uh, but the other day I was like, you know, when I when I first saw uh, the runtime that uh, of the Irishman being three and a half hours, I was a little put off. But then literally the next day I sat down and watched like five straight hours of The Sopranos. And I was like, <laughs> you know, if, if the content is good, uh-huh. uh, the runtime is is irrelevant. Yeah. You know? Well, that's a thing that in that H. Bomber guy video that he talked about. The, the Apocalypse Now is like almost a three hour movie. And he said, like, it doesn't feel like three hours while you're watching it. It's a really great movie. But then, like, 20 years later, he released the director's cut, which adds an extra half hour to it. And that movie felt like it was six hours long because that extra half hour just added so much drag to it and killed any momentum that the other scenes had that that, like, you know, made it feel so much worse and so much longer that it was like a slog to sit through. Right. Um, Yeah. And uh, I don't know, like the momentum of a movie is very important which is like have you heard that uh netflix is kicking around the idea of adding like a 1.5 speed option <laughs> really which is like pacing is imp- it's so important in a lot of things some yeah. things it's it doesn't matter mm. but i can't imagine wanting to watch anything on, like if it's an audiobook i can understand yeah but it's not well, uh, you know even with an audiobook i get it if it's a nonfiction book, if it's a fiction book, I feel like the pacing is really important. If it's a nonfiction book, it's how fast can you absorb this information? Right. You know yeah. what I mean? Um, but when it's like a nonfiction book or when it's a fiction book or any work of fiction like that, I feel like the pacing is honestly 80% of what makes it good. You know what I mean? Yeah. Like the speed is an aspect to it. That is part of the art form. That's why I don't know. Like paintings don't time doesn't matter. You know what I mean? But like is with movies, um, time matters just like with music you know what I mean like right. I, time is part of the art form and you know like if you're fucking with the time it's you know how is that really any different than right. like changing the color settings and like fucking with the you know right like, you're not you're not gonna put the wall on 1.5 speed so you can get through the whole album faster like yeah. it just doesn't make sense <laughs> yeah 
Oh, and in case we are recording right now, which I have a few. We are. Yeah. I, I should mention that H. Bomber guy video is also like 50% Shannon Strucci, and she doesn't get a lot of uh, respect on that, but she does really good work. And, well, she's in the new one a little bit more. It's, 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 Credit to it's Shannon Strucci, is it? Yes. Credit to Shannon. God damn, we've been recording for like 20 minutes. <laughs> oh, okay, sorry. All right. Well, uh, uh, it's a Ghost Rider. Ghost Rider. Ghost Rider. <laughs> uh, Ghost Rider 2, Spirit of Vengeance. Was I supposed to be taking notes on all that? Because I wasn't. <laughs> Go ahead. That was the important part. <laughs> yeah. um, so, Ghost Rider, Spirit of Vengeance is the sequel to 2007's Ghost Rider film. It is a Marvel movie um, that was not owned by Disney. Just like, you know, in 2007, Disney did not own Marvel yet. Yeah. So uh, that and it's a sequel to the movie from 2007 where whatever studio this was still retained the rights. I don't remember the studios. I look at the producers. Uh, if you're interested in production, which I think is actually an interesting and good thing to keep track of in the movie industry, especially considering this day. If you look at what production companies are, they're getting smaller and smaller. There's less and less of them. And uh the only variation comes from indie movies with like maybe one million dollar budgets, and uh, everything that has a budget bigger than that is generally a budget of like a hundred million dollars, and is usually made by one of three studios at this point. It's kind of sad, but production companies for this movie were Marvel Entertainment, Crystal Sky Pictures, Hyde Park Entertainment, and Im Imagination Abu Dhabi, which is imagination with an E, so it's image because images. Oh, and uh. This movie is rated PG-13. It came out in 2011. Uh, it is directed by Mark Neveldine and Adrian Taylor. Uh, rare to see a duo of directors if they're not, you know, siblings. So right. That's they're interesting. Coen brothers. And, yeah, Coen brothers or the Wachowskis. Or right. Like, uh, or going back to Bangkok Dangerous whatever their names were <laughs> brothers well, i was really hoping you were gonna pull that one out pang brothers the, I got the, it's the, the pang, pang brothers yes that is correct uh so don't you dare fact check us on that um this had a runtime of 95 minutes and a budget of and i can't get a concrete number on this it's 55 to 75 million dollars <laughs> so it's uh there there's there might have been some shady dealings with this one. We don't really know. <laughs> Wikipedia doesn't know, so why should we? Yeah, exactly. I don't need to fucking keep track of this. If you want to find out, do your own deep digging. I know that's probably what you listen to this for, but you know what? Hey, Sorry. Our I'm listeners love stats, and I don't blame them. <laughs> uh, box office gross of 132.6 million dollars. So this is another one in the black. We are. Baby. This is a double in the black episode. Yeah, that's. I don't think that's ever happened before. <laughs> Truly unprecedented. So that's nine out of 24 movies. That's, that's not a good record. But <laughs> that's, it's not a good record, but uh, for this episode, it's a pretty damn solid record. <laughs> um, Rotten Tomatoes, this got an 18% critic rating and an audience rating of 32%. So about equally loved by critics as the last movie. Um, but significantly less audience affection for this one. <laughs> yeah. yeah. This is, I, I don't know, this is one of those movies where I, I know a handful of people who have seen it, and they're like, it's actually better than most people would have you believe, or it's it's fun in this yeah. stupid way. Um, but for the most part, it's not really part of the zeitgeist, really. No. Nobody's I, talking about No one about... remembers this movie. Yeah. People will remember the first Ghost Rider sometimes, but not 
this one. Yeah, I mean, like, I, I, I saw the first Ghost Rider probably in theaters, and by the time this came around, I was, like, not about... I was not eager to go see another installment. So, <laughs> the same same deal with the Fantastic Four. Like, I, I still have never seen the Silver Surfer uh, sequel. Yeah, so. I, haven't, I actually don't think I've seen either of those movies, personally. But... That's all the statistics I got for this one. Let's look at some fun facts here. All right, let me let me hit you. So the first fun fact, uh, of course, uh, I am again reading off IMDb. <laughs> um, the first fun fact uh, was written specifically for you. Ooh. Um, so there's a cameo. The directors are uh, make a cameo uh, when Nicholas Cage is explaining the deal with the devil, uh, and they're doing a handshake mirroring the cover to Wish You Were Here. Oh, that actually appears in the movie. Yeah. Yeah. I, 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 I literally turned to the guy I was watching this movie with and said, like, that's like discount wish you were here. <laughs> and that's exactly what they were going for. For the listener, that's one of my favorite albums of all time. If you're uh, curious about my music taste. Yeah, I'm sorry. I didn't mean to call you out there, uh, but <laughs> I, okay. I, I thought you would enjoy that. I do. Um, so uh, after this film, the live action film rights to Ghost Rider went back to Marvel, um, which obviously they haven't really done anything with that, uh, that I know of at least. Uh, Eva Mendez turned down the option to reprise her role. Uh, Peter Fonda n- also not reprising his yeah, role. Yeah, he's, and they don't really acknowledge that. So like, they don't even, they, they just assume that you know that his character is the same one, but like I watched it and I was like, who's that? <laughs> yeah, and I also am not, is, is it the same guy? I don't even I don't really know, because in the first one they would always call him like Mephisto or Mephistopheles, and in this one they call him the devil, and I'm not sure if they're supposed to be the same character or not, but Unclear. it seems like they are, because at the very end of the movie he says to Cage, like, you were the worst deal I ever made. Yeah. So I assume, but... Not not completely clear though. Um, so this I actually didn't even realize. Uh, unlike the previous film, the full transformation from Johnny Blaze to Ghost Rider is never depicted. Hmm. Um, they we get before and after shots, and that's it. Um, interesting. We because uh, this one seemed to have a bigger budget, at least in the fight scenes. So maybe yeah. they put all the money to the fight scenes and then didn't want to put it into the transformation scenes. Yeah, or they were just like, uh, you've seen the transformation, we're just going to focus on all the the whip-em-ups and whatnot. The chains. Yeah. The fire chains. Fire chains. This was the uh, God of War movie, actually. (laughs) Um, This is the second film to be released under the Marvel Knights banner, which I was not expecting to see at the beginning, uh, sorry, beginning of the movie. Hmm. Um, I don't know what that is, so uh, school me. (laughs) Uh, I mean, I'm not the, I'm not a, I I read a lot of comics, but I, I'm not good at the history, but Marvel Knights, uh, is one of those like, uh, like subsidiaries of, I don't know. Oh, okay. Um, it's like a little subset. Yeah. It's, uh, it's like the Justice League dark to the Justice League that is Marvel. Oh, okay. Uh, something like that. That's probably a poor explanation, but that was a little weird, but it's the DC, DC to the Marvel. (laughs) It's all I've got really. Um, so, uh, this also was originally intended to be a dark and violent R rated adaptation. Um, because they wanted to uh, satisfy all the fans who were disappointed by the first movie. Uh, movie. I can't. I can't talk. It's okay. It's okay. Um, but uh, that obviously did not happen. 
Um, what else do we got? We got a Wilhelm scream. <laughs> we did have a Wilhelm scream. I noticed uh, that. Uh, usually when a movie has a Wilhelm scream, it's either a tongue-in-cheek comedy movie or it's a movie that is failing to connect in some way and they throw that in there. But um, And we'll let you determine which... <laughs> This movie was, um, the, the only other fun fact I have is that, um, uh, so Idris Elba's in this movie and he apparently wears contact lenses that are pretty much the same as his ones, uh, as Heimdall in the Thor movies. You know, I was wondering if he was wearing contacts cause I, every time I would see him, it was like, his eyes look off. Am I just too far away from the TV? Yeah. <laughs> or, but, cause hmm. I mean, I, I could definitely sense it because I've, I've done a lot of, a lot of just staring at Idris Elba. He's a very Idris elbowing. Yeah. Like when your elbow is hitting the table as you ma- he's, masturbate. He's <laughs> uh, an attractive man. In one, in my opinion, he's one of the most attractive human beings that I've ever seen. Uh, <laughs> and I can't help but think of that every time I see him. So, uh, what are we talking about? Sorry. I was, I was in the other room. Uh, Idris Elba. Idris Elba. Yeah. He's an actor. Like Jessica Elba. <laughs> Uh, sure. <laughs> yes. Yes. Okay, I'll put that in my notes. Okay. <laughs> but, uh, okay. So moving on to a plot summary here. Uh, so at the start of the movie, this woman, who I never really got her name, but she is the mother of this boy, Danny, um, is uh, escaping after some Spec Ox team comes in a shootout is going on, and Idris Elba is running after them and says, I'll protect you, I'll protect you. And they're like, nope. And they run away from him, and there's a big chase with the bad guy chasing him and the bad guy's name is like Corrington or something. Yeah, Car- Carrington. Uh, Carrington, that's it. Yeah, it's a, uh, basically Idris Elba uh, meets uh, Giles from Buffy the Vampire Slayer who is playing a monk oh. um, and while they're meeting they get ambushed by a team of uh, dudes with guns. Uh, we'll call them uh, your Call of Duty squad. Yeah. Uh, and uh, Cod squad. Yeah. <laughs> yes. <laughs> The Cod Squad. Uh, and we don't really know what their beef is yet, uh, but they definitely want to kill all these poor uh, vampire-slaying monks. <laughs> so Just murder them all. So anyways, then uh, after that, this is all in Romania, which uh, Cage has moved to since the last movie. And we see uh, in a comic book-style animation thing with a Cage voiceover summarizing the first movie, which if you want a summary of it go listen to our last episode which is probably a lot longer than you want to listen to episode uh insert number of that episode yeah episode that one yeah uh, the halloween episode yeah that came out in september pay the ghost <laughs> versus ghost rider yeah. <laughs> uh, the, oh. the ghost of halloween past has returned <laughs> oh no but uh, anyways, basically, Cage in that movie made a deal with the devil, and it made him the Ghost Rider, and he regrets it, but also he's the fucking Ghost Rider, and the Ghost Rider kills people. Uh, super we'll learn rad. We'll learn his head's on fire. <laughs> his coolest, head's on way, fire. <laughs> coolest way to trim your pubes is to turn into a flaming skeleton. <laughs> exactly. So. It burns all the hair right off. So then Idris Elba comes to see, uh, and I believe he's named Moreau in this movie, but he's Idris Elba, I don't care. He comes to see the Cage Rider. Also, I should mention... His name is Johnny Blaze. He is the Ghost Rider, but he's not. His name is Johnny Cage, and he is the Cage Rider. <laughs> okay. Also, <laughs> it's the preface thing. Something that threw me off was that I, 
They were for some reason trying to make him sound like more professional in this movie. Everybody was calling him John Blaze. Oh, yeah. I'm like, you can call him Johnny Blaze. I know it sounds ridiculous, but it's supposed to. Yeah. John Blaze actually sounds way stupider because that's that's not anything. Yeah, that's not a name. Johnny Blaze sounds like, you know, some jokey thing, but John Blaze sounds <laughs> right. that it's, sounds made up. It's <laughs> that's just a <laughs> Or maybe a a wrestler? Uh, it, not even a wrestler. Wrestler would be Johnny. Wrestler would definitely go with Johnny Blaze. John Blaze is a fucking. It's uh, a it's a John Doe who smokes weed. Yeah, he's he's a businessman who's afraid to commit to his <laughs> badass uh, uh, subconscious. <laughs> but uh, Idris Elba comes to see the Cage Rider. He knows who Cage is. He knows he's the the, the Cage Rider, and he says he'll help if if Cage will help in his little scheme. He'll uh, he'll lift Cage's curse and make him not the, the the Cage Rider anymore. He'll just be human again and regular old Johnny Cage. <laughs> um, John Cage. Yeah, John Cage. <laughs> he, uh, creator of uh, 433. That's a classical music joke for anybody. That's, uh, <laughs> I, I understood that. After that, we cut and people are still chasing after the mother and Danny. The, the Danny is like 12. I believe, yeah. yeah, he's 12. Yeah, he's 12, uh, and they're... Uh, Coming on 13. Yeah. Like, she's a she's like a con... A con artist who's, like, using her son to gain an advantage uh, to fool people. Yeah. And they're still being uh, followed by the Cod Squad. <laughs> yeah, the Cod Squad's all on them. And the guy after them is named Carrington. Uh, it's her ex... Something I have literally no idea their relation to one another. <laughs> uh, they I feel like they don't uh, address it more than once or twice, but I I believe that we're led to believe that he has like pumped a load in her. <laughs> okay. uh, maybe not the one that created this kid, but yeah. one of them. One of them. I, one thing I will say is I have a lot of notes about this movie, but throughout the movie I was never entirely sure what the fuck was going on. It's it's really all <laughs> over the place. Um, but uh, so uh, Carrington is about to kill the Danny's mother when the cage rider suddenly shows up after his deal with Idris Elba, and he stops them from killing the mother, but they kidnap Danny and get away with him. Oh, so, shit! Oh, and uh, and. This is, uh, I had to, to stop and take a second to myself after this part. Um, so, uh, there, there's a scene where he, when, when he transforms uh, into the ghost rider, um, I believe the scene ends with him looking directly at the camera and saying, so that happened. <laughs> yeah. and, That's true. There are a lot of one-liners that didn't connect coming oh, from the character in this one. And I didn't take note of all of them, but there was another particular one God, I can't, I can't remember it now. But yeah, there are a lot of bad one-liners in this movie coming from the Cage Rider. Yeah, just they're, I don't know, they're trying to appeal to, uh, and I'm doing finger quotes, the internet generation. I don't yeah. know. Uh, they're trying to be. I'm the juggernaut, bitch. <laughs> right. We, we've already seen that in the movie. We've already yeah. referenced that. So all yeah. we have left. Is for Nicolas Cage to say, so that happened. Yeah. <laughs> I bet you're wondering how I got here. <laughs> but um, uh, after that, Carrington talks to some dude on the phone who I was like, who the fuck is this? But it's supposed to be Peter Fonda's character from the previous movie, Mr. Satan himself. Dr. And Satan. Not Mr. Satan from Dragon Ball Z, but... <laughs> 
pretty close. But yeah, but uh, and the guy's like, that kid's like a computer, and I'm gonna install a firewall now on him so that uh, Ghost Rider can't figure out where he is. You know, and everybody who's ever owned a computer is like, hell yeah, I understand. <laughs> I get it. I too have a firewall. He should take that kid and install endpoint antivirus in his skull. <laughs> Let's get some McAfee up in here. <laughs> then Cage wakes up in the hospital after his Ghost Rider incident. And uh, he's hears the police are about to talk to him. So he's like, nope, nope, in the fuck out of here. And as he's leaving, he sees the mother of Danny. And he follows her and tells her, like, I need to find your son. It's part of this job that Idris Elba gave me. And uh, it turns out she's the devil's baby mama. And uh, and that's why everyone is after Danny. He's, he's the son of Satan. Danny, wow. is that short for Damien? Maybe. Is that short for freaking Dammy? Danny is short for Dammy, which is short for Damien. What if what if his name was actually Dammy in this movie? And we just thought it was Danny because that's an actual name. <laughs> it could have been. I don't know. I didn't. I I had the movie a little quiet. Maybe that's I heard true. it wrong. I'll call him Dammy. <laughs> so then uh, Cage interrogates some guy to find out what Carrington is doing with Danny or where he's going with him. And then uh, my, my next note on this just says, scraping at the door, <laughs> which is what he says as he's standing there. And he's like, you know, that guy who had like the flaming skull and everything, he's in me and he wants to come out and he's scraping at the door. And he, he does a little cage freak out. And it's honestly, I've seen better cage freak outs at this point. And I've only seen like yeah. maybe a, th- a third of his, his his filmography. So actually, hold on. This is episode 16. We're almost halfway there. We're almost halfway there. That's insane to think about. It is. Holy crap. We're at 30 out of 82. Yep. Not including the several movies that is released this year. Did you see that he's about to star in a movie? About himself? Yes. Yeah. Which I'm so excited for. I honestly... We're going to throw that in the bracket once there's another movie that he was in before that that I can't remember, but it looked like some Bangkok Dangerous style thing. <laughs> yeah, it, it, it looks strange, uh, but basically there's never been a better time to be part of the cage fight fandom. It's true. Uh, <clears throat> tell all your friends, tell, because they're all going to be talking about this. Tell, you know what? Like and retweet our once a month tweets. <laughs> I forget to... Post. Yeah, I forget to post a lot of them as well. So it's, it's, uh, uh just get on that. Uh, <laughs> but, um, uh, so after that, like, they find out where he's going, and we get a weird green screen cage freak out on a motorcycle where he's, like, partially turned it into the cage rider. Yeah, he's, but, like, kind of bouncing back and forth. And, and he's going, like, there's a school behind you. So they show up at the site. And that's where Carrington is buying javelin missiles. Uh, The mother sneaks in and frees Danny, and they escape together. And Cage fucks up the bad guys, and the missiles don't do shit to him. He takes over some giant piece of mining equipment, because this isn't a quarry, and turns that into... Into the Ghost Rider vehicle. Yeah, which is honestly kind of awesome. It's the... So the fight scenes and stuff, and him, like... Uh, mounting different vehicles are so cool in this movie. Yeah, that's one thing I will say. In the first movie, comparing this one to the to the first movie, the first Ghost Rider. Yeah, the fight scenes in this one are way better than they were in the first one. They were actually kind of lame in the first one. They were yeah. they were almost nothing. 
The story, on the other hand, in the first one made at least a bit more sense than this yeah. one did. So and it's it's the reverse this time. Yeah. Like, uh, every th- all the in-between fight scenes and stuff are pretty pretty great. Uh, but then uh, all the filler is, like, completely uninteresting. There's there's some cool shit with vehicles in this movie with the cage rider. Like, that... I don't even know what that piece of construction equipment was. It was, like, a giant, like, crane that had, like, a spinning death wheel on the front. It, like, I don't know what it was, but it looked cool as fuck when like, it turned into a ghost rider vehicle. That's <laughs> true. You, do, you, do you play Overwatch? Um, I have, yeah. You know fucking, uh, what's-his-face-is? The Rip Tire? Um. Uh. Yeah. I can't think of junk his rat, name. Junk rat. Junk yeah. rat. Yeah. It's. It had like that at the front, and he was just like blasting through bad guys, and it's a giant. Pe- it's cool. Yeah. Just it, watch that scene. Yeah. <laughs> I mean. Yeah. The the fight scenes are great. If there's mm. if there's a director cut, a director's cut of this movie, it should be like thirty five minutes. Yeah. <laughs> just like all the story cut out and him <laughs> like beating the shit out of people. Yeah. So then he he chases after Danny and uh, Danny's mom who are running away because he's compelled to do so and he's not really in control of himself when he's the cage rider and not the cage. Um, So uh, Danny, then he catches up to them, but Danny is able to, like, turn him back into normal. He's, like, able to shut him down somehow with his... Danny's got these mystical powers that are not defined really at all. We don't really know what they are. We he's, just know that they're somehow equal to Satan because he's Satan's son. He's got and the shining. <laughs> Danny's got the shining. That D- was a thing Danny's got the shining. Danny's exactly. got the shining. I was watching this movie and I was like, if they ever have a weird supernatural kid in a movie, it's got to be Danny. It's right? got to be Danny. <laughs> Uh, in the, in that fight before with the cage rider, Cage basically killed Carrington, and then Satan shows up at the Carrington. He's like, "You haven't completed the job, so I'm turning you into Magic Decay Man." Which is, I didn't know this because it's never said in the movie, but his name is Blackout. Apparently, it's on the Wikipedia page. So I, I had no idea. <laughs> <laughs> so I'll re- refer to him as Blackout from now on. But that's what he is. So he has. Satan endows him with these powers where he can touch things, any organic material or or metal material that would rust. Anything that naturally decays, he can accelerate it and make it decay faster. So he wants, he does that so he can finish the job and kill the cage rider and get Danny back for Satan's evil scheme involving the son of Satan. And he can look badass in the meantime while he's figuring it all out. Yep. Uh, Then... In my notes here, I just have one line. Uh, Ghost Rider Flame P. <laughs> oh, yeah. <laughs> Where he explains to Danny, Danny says, like, what does it look like when he pee? And he's like, it's like a flamethrower. And then it cuts to him shooting flames out of his dick. And it's it's certainly a thing. <laughs> and some would call it unnecessary, but I would call it vital <laughs> to this movie. If, if that wasn't in there, if if it weren't for scenes like that, there wouldn't be a whole lot watchable about this movie. This would be in the director's cut that we were talking about. Exactly. Yeah. So so yeah, then cage Danny and uh, the mom, which I'm, I'm just going to call her mom. She's not my mom for the record. When I say mom (laughs) is not my mother. Uh, it's Danny's mother. It's Danny's mother. Uh, it's not Nick's mother. Um, they all meet up with Idris Elba and he takes them to see some monks. We'll take care of Danny. And, uh, Elba is like, all right, you fulfilled your deal. You got them here. I'm going to cure you of your riderness. <laughs> your, your rider poison. Yeah, so then Cage is like, what is this thing in me? And Idris Elba is like, well, 
I thought they told you this in the last movie, but <laughs> or maybe that was me saying that. I don't know. But, but uh, so we didn't hear all of the story. They just kind of ham fisted that line in there so that he could explain what the Ghost Rider is, even though it was pretty clearly explained that the it, Ghost Rider was some with Satan in the last movie. Yeah, I it, mean that was essentially the entire premise of the last movie. <laughs> yeah. um, but uh, now we're saying that the rider was apparently an angel of justice from God who was captured by Satan and corrupted so that instead of fighting for justice, it now wants to punish people. And it went from the angel of justice to the spirit of vengeance. Title. Boom. Mm. Bam. He's Essentially, he's gone from uh, the ghost rider to what I would call the ghost rider too. <laughs> yeah, it's true. So. Um. So then basically Idris Elba gives Cage communion. <laughs> He's just like, drink this wine and uh, it's good wine, right? And then uh, this is body of Christ, this bread, this body of Christ. <laughs> body of Christ. <laughs> uh, and then he sends them off into these catacombs of the monks on their own. And he just walks into a room and then like stares at the ceiling and then isn't the ghost writer anymore i don't understand yeah, it, he goes but... on a spirit journey uh to become uh the angel rider yeah whatever oh yeah he just becomes the angel now i guess uh he walks out and he's like i'm cured i'm cured mr elba i'm cured and then he looks over and bam uh it looks like all those monks are suddenly about to kill danny because you know he's he's satan's kid and they're monks and they're servants of god but um and uh, then I don't really know what happens here exactly, but Cage and Indris Elba and you know Mom get taken away, and then the monks are about to kill Danny, and then Blackout shows up and kills the monks, and he's like, "I'm taking you, Danny." And then, then Cage and Elba and Mom are there, and they're like, "What happened here?" <laughs> and I'm like, "What? What? The, I that scene really confused me." I, didn't, I the uh, the the back uh, half of this movie was extremely confusing, <laughs> very rushed. Too. Uh, yeah, it was it was kind of all over the place. Um, but yeah, so they sit there and they try to figure out where Blackout took Danny because they're like, "It doesn't look like Danny did this. They're weird rotting skeleton corpse things." And then they're like, okay. So then they go, and apparently the monks collected a bunch of guns because monks that, love guns. Yeah, <laughs> monks love weird illegal weaponry. Uh, and they're like, we're gonna go crash this party. And then I don't know how they found out where the fuck they were or anything like that. Nothing. I don't know. But I'm not certain about anything that happens in this movie. <laughs> but essentially, uh, some shit's going down because Danny is turning 13 and he's Satan's son. He's like the Antichrist. Yeah, and he's going to means... be bar mitzvahed into hell. <laughs> yeah, he's going to be bar mitzvahed into being as powerful as Satan and Satan's going to have like, and he's like, hey, you're going to help me do my Satanly activities. So uh, Cage... Elba and Mom get their guns and they're gonna go fuck this party up, right? So they come in and they crash the party. There's like these weirdo monks that have shown up from all around the world in robes, like going chanting while like shadows pass from Satan to Danny. And the gang comes in, crashes, it starts shooting everybody. Idris Elba's just mowing down unarmed people <laughs> in the stands who probably would have fucked them up, but we don't really know because he was shooting them before. <laughs> they, they, they had the opportunity. There's no way of knowing. Yep. Then a blackout shows up and he just decays Idris Elba. He grabs him and just turns him into a pile of rotted dust. And then 
he moves on to Cage, who can't fight back now because he's not the Cage Rider anymore. He's just regular old Johnny Cage. John Cage. <laughs> John Cage. I'm sorry. He's regular old John Cage preparing a piano. <laughs> like, um, and uh, then as he's about to kill Cage, like Danny walks up and then he's like, hey, Satan, dead. You said I got all your powers, right? And then Satan's like, yeah. And then he's like, well, cool. I'm going to make him the Ghost Rider <laughs> and, and turns Cage into the. Oh, fuck. <laughs> yeah. She's like, oh, no. Why did I tell my son that? <laughs> and then, bam, Cage Rider is back. He powers up. He fucking fights Blackout. Or, well, everybody runs away in the meantime. There's a big car chase. And then Cage Rider is gaining on him with his motorcycle that he got again somehow. And uh, he. There's all there's a point where he like gets a new motorcycle and I I wasn't sure if I was supposed to uh, I wasn't sure if I was seeing it for the first time or for the, at at a previous point they were like hey he's got a new whip and yeah. he's uh, well it got blown up in the first fight I think his old oh, motorcycle yeah, yeah. so he got a new one but they never really introduced the new one or where he got it from he yeah. just had it probably just stole it from some vagrant right yeah <laughs> and um. So he uh, he's gaining on them, and there's a big fight that's pretty cool in a car chase. It reminds me of the Indiana Jones Raiders of the Lost Ark fight where they're fighting on moving cars, you know, when he's like, you know, in Raiders of the Lost Ark yeah. when he slides under the car and everything and it's like punching the Nazi and climbing on. It's kind of like that. There, he fights with Blackout on the hood of like a moving vehicle and stuff. And it's then, like finally entertaining again. <laughs> yeah. And he, like, takes over a new, like, car and turns that into a Ghost Rider whip thing. Still cool. Mm. That that aspect will never lose its luster. Uh, it's true. I just wish they'd focus more on that. Yeah. <laughs> just have him hopping from car to car, <laughs> setting it on fire. That that could have been a movie all in and of itself, <laughs> but it probably would have been better and more coherent than this film. But. For sure. I would have I loved it. Yeah. But, uh, so he does that he kills blackout while fighting on the car hoods by doing his death stare i forgot what it is uh vengeance i was i spent this entire movie trying to remember what his like vengeance stare was called yeah, seriously and they never mentioned it so yeah, they never gave it a name again and i was like fuck there, it has a name a specific <laughs> name but i can't yeah yeah but he kills him that way and then uh after that fight, he, like, whips Satan's car with his chain and, like, pulls off the rear axle and it flips and falls. And then he walks up and he pulls Satan out and he's like, go back to hell. And just, Satan goes back to hell. I don't really, I mean, Satan's not one to argue. <laughs> yeah, he's so. just like, all right, fine. <laughs> Fuck you, dad. I'm going to go <laughs> rule the underworld. Um, but, um. This is the prequel to Little Nicky. Yeah. <laughs> After the car accident, Danny is dead. So then he's like, hold on here. But like Idris Elba told me that the rider was the angel of justice. I can feel the angel in me. And his hand becomes like a skeleton, but with a blue flame instead of a yeah. red flame. And he touches Danny and he heals Danny because apparently the angel of justice can bring people back to life. It's it's cool. Why not? Yeah. Uh, Danny's back alive. And then. He's still Ghost Rider out in the daylight. Yeah. Oh yeah, that was another thing. In the first movie, they established that he his powers only worked at night and not during the day. Right. And in this movie, almost all of the fights are during the day, and I just didn't understand. Yeah, I wasn't it. sure if the like uh, looking back on it after seeing the end, I wasn't sure 
I couldn't remember honestly if uh, if something happened. If that something happened that, that uh, explained why, like it, when he was bestowed his angel powers or whatever, he was able to to fight at any time. But I don't know. It was not really explained. Yeah, it wasn't explained at all. Uh, I, maybe they were assuming because this movie came out four years after the last Ghost Rider that no one had watched that one <laughs> since then, so no one was going to remember. But yeah, that's the end of the movie. Um, yeah, and uh, it's my favorite movie. <laughs> it's it's the greatest film of all time. Move over, Citizen Kane. Uh, Orwell's got nothing on... Uh, who wrote this movie? Hold on. I closed the page, and I'm not opening it again. <laughs> Move over, Citizen Kane, Godfather, and Ghost Rider, part one. Yeah. His Ghost Rider, Spirit of Vengeance, is in the house. Mm-hmm. But yeah. Uh, thoughts? Um, I mean, I, I kind of brushed over it before. Where, like, I, I, there was a lot of really cool stuff in this movie that was very entertaining. But mm-hmm. as soon as something entertaining stopped, it was uh, followed by... 20 minutes of like stuff that you couldn't really be bothered to pay attention to yeah. because it was just so uh uninteresting. It was not only so uninteresting, but even if you did pay close attention to it, you didn't really gather anything from it. It, yeah. it was supposed to advance the plot, but it seemed like the plot was moving regardless of what was happening and whatever they were saying didn't matter. And it didn't help you understand what was going on any better. Yeah. And, uh, and, and so this movie uh, in itself is a good representation of how I feel about a lot of these movies where like the, there's, there's some cool flourishes and some nice fight scenes and, and stuff. But as a, as a coherent piece, it's, it's just all over the place. And yeah. I, it's it's kind of a mess. Uh, one thing I wanted to point out, there are weird camera angles throughout the whole thing and a lot of cuts, at least the first half. The second half seems to become a more normal movie, and I wonder, it's got two directors. I wonder if one director directed the first half and the other and did quit. the second. <laughs> yeah. But um, I don't know if they were like trying to emulate like comic book panels and trying to make it look like that, but they had some choices. It was very stylized, and then they like gave up on it. It was weird. And... I don't know. It, it's also filled with a bunch of quick cuts and weird slow-mo that make things kind of awkward to watch. Um, yeah. But it's, I don't know. It's got some cool fight scenes. Just look up the fight scenes on YouTube and skip this one. <laughs> yeah. Overall, uh, some fun elements, but not very satisfying to watch as a whole. So, mm. um, For narrative coherence, I would take the first Ghost Rider over this one. Although... Honestly, I just wish they took the fight scenes out of this one and put them in the first movie. Yeah, combine then, these two movies. And yeah, and you, you got had a good Ghost Rider movie. Yeah, <laughs> but um, yeah. So, Dave, you got some some notes on the plot here? Hot damn, do I! Oh yeah, oh, yeah. <laughs> okay, Ghost Rider Two. This movie is the sequel to Avatar. <laughs> Movie is owned by Disney and is part of the Sopranos universe. Uh-huh. It is set in Hyde Park, Chicago, except for Cage, who is in Bangkok with the Dangerous Pain Brothers. They have seventy-five million dollars. They love stats. <laughs> this movie is black is in blackface, which is truly unprecedented. Oh God! This movie is like the popular internet phenomenon video Zeitgeist, which is how Nick Cage became red pilled. He buys a dinosaur skull in Bangkok after making a deal with the devil over the song I Wish You Were Here by Incubus. He is not wearing a shirt. Eva Mendez plays Ghost Rider. 
She blazes and drinks Johnny Walker, so they call her Johnny Blaze, which is accurate. <laughs> this movie is also God of War. Now, Paul Harvey News. Jessica Alba is the most attractive man on Earth. This woman has Danny Tre... Is it Trejo? Trejo? Trejo. Trejo. Trejo, cool. This woman has Danny Trejo as a son, and he is protected in the shootout by Miss Alba. Buffy the Vampire Slayer gets ambushed by the Call of Duty squad, and sparkling vampires appear. Now Cage is in Romania. There is no further mention of the dreaded Pain Brothers. His head is still on fire. So is Jessica Alba's. The Cage Rider appears, and he sounds more professional. John Doe appears smoking weed. His subconscious is badass. At this point, it is not clear who the cage rider and the ghost rider is due to poor communication on the director's part. <laughs> Danny Trejo pulls a Benjamin Button and turns 12, and Jeffrey Epstein takes him for a ride on his airplane <laughs> with Carrington. He pumps a load in him and creates a kid. That kid is the ghost rider. They go to the ghost rider, or they go to the ghost rodeo at this point. At the ghost rodeo, there, <laughs> there is a bull. The bull's name is Borther. He is a spooky ghost bull with a soft side. Also, a badass side. Sometimes his head catches on fire and he rides a 60s Triumph motorcycle. His best friend is a skeleton. The skeleton's name is John Skeleton Camp. He is also spooky, but he has a soft side. Also, he has a badass side. Sometimes his head <laughs> catches on fire, too. There is an old man in a cowboy hat. His name is Hoss. He is the boss. He is a spooky ghost, but he has a soft side. He owns a general store. The general store is spooky, but it is also badass. Sometimes it catches on fire. There is a heroine. Her name is Sally Numbskulls. She is a skeleton who is spooky and doesn't have a soft side, but makes up for it by being badass and catching on fire. <laughs> she drives an 80s Crown Vic. She is the Skelecop. The, the Ghost Rodeo is now called Ghost Rodeo Skelecops in New York City. It is in New Orleans. That is the twist. At the end, you find out that she actually does have a soft side. <laughs> also, there is a monster. The monster's name is Goo. It is a Goo monster. This was inspired by the untimely death of K-pop star Goo Hara. <laughs> Prayers up. But also, it is inspired by Gumby. Gumby plays John Skeleton Camp. It is a difficult sell, but Gumby is a three-time Emmy Award winner, so he is very talented, to be honest. <clears throat> the movie has lots of ACDC in the soundtrack. Acoustic Dashboard Confessional. Chris Caraba plays himself <laughs> in the movie. He is Sally Numskull's love interest, and he sings her a special version of Vindicated that goes, Vindicated. I am spooky. I am soft. I am, I'm on fire. There's a bull. I swear I goo it all along. She becomes soft as a result. At the end, he sings a special version of Screaming Infidelity that goes, As for now, I'm gonna, hear a, I'm gonna sing a spooky song and sit alone and wonder how you'll make it out. As for me, I wish I had a skeleton with a soft side for making out. And your goo is everywhere. Spooky infidelities. 80s Crown Vic. Chris Caraba is great. He can cry on command, <laughs> which is a special thing that actors do in order to make things more sentimental. He helps the skeletons with, with their soft sides. Spider-Man makes a cameo. He is a good character for the Ghost Rodeo, even though he clashes with Chris Caraba. 
Meanwhile, the Payne brothers are plotting revenge, but they hate dashboard confessional, so they don't go to the ghost rodeo. They instead go to the goat rodeo, which sounds bitchin', but is actually just Yo-Yo Ma fighting Blackout and Blackface on a moving car, which also sounds bitchin', but is mostly offensive and off-putting. He kills him that way. He flips Satan's car and tells him to go back to the ghost rodeo. Gumby takes him away, and Chris Carabba sings a duet with little Nicky about breaking up with a skeleton. This heals Danny, and little little Nicky becomes the angel of justice. Looking back on it, after seeing the end, I couldn't remember honestly if something happened that explained why he was given his angel powers. It wasn't explained because they spent too much money on Dashboard Confessional. The rodeo ends, and Citizen Kane jumps off the Nicolas Cage onto Mankind through a press table. And then my heart stops listening to Chocho San fall in love all over again with a skeleton in an 80s crown Vic. Chris Caraba cries on on command, which is moving, and it fades to black. <laughs> excellent, excellent story. I do like all the people that have a soft side to them. Thank you so I much, I thought Dave. I caught all the details that you were saying. I'm sorry I didn't say much during the podcast because I was writing relentlessly. That's okay. Uh, like, as long as you're taking notes, it's, you know, you're just doing your thing. You're doing what you got to do. You're at least contributing now. You yeah, really like, I don't want to be redundant. You know, it's mostly just stuff you said. <laughs> it's it's okay. Um, it, it, honestly, uh, when it comes down to it, we're, we just have you read the notes, so we make sure you're paying attention, and it's never been more evident that you are. So yeah. you're, you're paying close attention now, so that's a good thing. Hey, thanks, guys. I appreciate you guys saying nice things about me. It's okay. Um, yeah, I mean... No, I'm a little teary-eyed in here. But old Dave, he's keeping up now. Oh, he's... Uh, he's blossomed into such a nice young man. He's really took those firings to heart. <laughs> it's true. Yeah, but there's a tour coming up with National Pleasures, so I probably won't care very much anymore after that. I'm sorry. Oh, it's no, I, that's fine. I, <laughs> it's it's all right. You cared enough for at least two episodes. <laughs> so, but um, <clears throat> so I guess now we should get down to the vote. Oh, this is gonna be a tough one. Oh, I yeah. feel like we definitely haven't made our feelings known about these movies. <laughs> we haven't said a damn thing. So can Dave. we get a countdown? Dr. Yeah. Dave. Nah. See, it's, I guess we you can care about the movies, but not the podcast. That's okay. fine. That's fine. Well, I mean, uh, well they're reading, good movies, and the podcast is about them. Reading all his notes has got to be more difficult than just <laughs> counting down from three. But, <laughs> yeah. uh, I'm right. numerically dyslexic, guys, and that really hurts my feelings. Oh, I'm sorry. Yeah, I'm sorry. Just I didn't don't mean, mean to be me. ableist. <laughs> but uh, three, two, two one. one. Eight, eight millimeter, millimeter spirit goat of rodeo. <laughs> yes, eight millimeter it's was the goat the, rodeo. Was the superior film? Yo Yo Ma and Chris Thiele. But um, but I uh yeah, eight millimeter. I yeah, that, it was missing a, a spirit of vengeance. Mm-hmm. Um, well, no, I kind of had that in the second. Yeah, actually, you you know after you're right. what I thought would be the first ending, he just came around and was the spirit of vengeance. It ends <laughs> once and he becomes the spirit of vengeance, <laughs> yeah. and ends a second time. Yeah. So yeah, I mean, two endings beats one ending. So <laughs> it's true. It's yeah. quantity over quality. It's true. <laughs> there we go. <laughs> yeah. Uh, Ghost Rider Two is, uh, I don't know. It's it. You can live with missing that one. And Ghost Rider One advanced in this tournament, and mm-hmm. if we had if we had two Ghost Rider movies floating around in the second round, it would be <laughs> too confusing. Yeah. So and it would overpower everything. And uh, but uh, 
So. I'm just not a dashboard fan, so I don't really want to go through that again. Yeah, yeah. He's, uh, it gets a little rough sometimes. I prefer my emo a little harder edged. Yeah, dashboard confessional reminds me too much of uh, MTV2, which was, as Ghost Rider, inferior to its predecessor. So. (laughs) But yeah, uh, so. Join us uh, next week where we'll be talking about Wind Talkers and Outcast. Uh, two movies that I believe Wind Talkers is about some Navajo radio transmitters. If this is the movie that I'm thinking of during World War II, where they hired them because both Germany and Japan were not able to decode the Navajo language because nobody there spoke it. Only Americans could speak it. And uh, so they used them as radio transmitters because they couldn't have their stuff intercepted by the enemy. So it's actually about someone who whispers under their hand and uh, throws it up in the air and it travels across the world. Somebody (laughs) else can hear it. Uh, (laughs) Yeah, maybe that too. And I could be completely wrong on that, but I know there is a movie about the thing I just described and I believe Nicolas Cage is in it. And if it's not this one, then I'll just cut whatever I said. (laughs) It's Last of the Mohicans is what you're thinking of. Yes. (laughs) And uh, Outcast is about... uh, Uh, Two two African-American youths from Atlanta. Atlanta. (laughs) The return of the gangsta. Thanks (laughs) to... Uh, they're going to put some stank on you, and uh, it's going to be good. <laughs> but yeah, uh, so join us next time for that. And uh, until then, have a wonderful life. Have a, But not the wonderful life in the movie. It's a wonderful life. Don't uh, put your head in an oven. Yeah, have an, have an okay life. Unless you're a skeleton. Yeah, then do it. But yeah. ha- have a good one. And uh, live as thou wilt. Live free, die hard. We'll see you next time. Bye bye. This has been a solid work production. Solid work. Solid work. Uh, solid work. Hey, solid, solid work. work.